Well, we started a new series four weeks ago on the book of Acts. And uh, if you've been tuning in online, hello again, everyone online. If you've been tuning in online, then you uh, are aware that we've been doing this series. If you haven't tuned in yet, it's all right. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, We are in the book of Acts, and we are going through the book of Acts chapter by chapter uh, through all 28 chapters uh, for 28 weeks. We're going to do a chapter a week for 28 weeks. And I, I told you last week, a couple weeks ago, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, it is a, uh, just a jet stream of biblical information. And the reason that we're studying the book of Acts is because it is our kind of our playbook, kind of our model for how uh, we can do church in the 21st century. We look at the first century church and we learn principles from the first century church about how to do church in the 21st century. And so that's what we're doing for 28 weeks. We are looking and, and studying the principles of the book of Acts to help us do church in the 21st century. Okay, and so we, we started in Acts chapter 1, how they bridged uh, from the Gospel of Luke. Luke was the writer of the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts, and he bridged that in chapter 1. Chapter 2 is when the church was born, the unleashing of the church, the unleashing of the Holy Spirit. This series is called Unleashed, uh, and uh, it's all about the book of Acts. Last week, we, saw, uh, we talked about acts of kindness and how the early church used acts of kindness to open up a door uh, to point people to Jesus. And so they would do kind things. And we saw that the apostles, Peter and John, did an act of kindness to a crippled beggar. They healed him. And then they used that opportunity of healing to talk about Jesus with everyone who would listen. And so this week, we're in Acts chapter 4. If you brought a Bible, great, open up to Acts 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can follow along in the GFCC app. Um, our office manager, Sarah, does a great job uh, updating the app every week. Uh, and so in the app, uh, you will find sermon notes. If you haven't gotten the app yet, you can go to your app store on your phone or tablet and search for GFCC, and you can download the app from there. And you can follow along with the sermon notes, get push notifications, set up an account, give your tithes and offerings through the app. You can do all kinds of cool stuff through the app. So we're in Acts chapter 4, and this is the aftermath of what happened when Peter and John healed this crippled beggar. And so we're going to take this in several different pieces, look at uh, different Bible verses from this chapter, uh, and uh, we're going to see what happened to the apostles Peter and John after they healed this crippled beggar. So uh, let's look at Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard And the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So, Here's a couple of things. One, Peter and John had just healed this crippled beggar, and the word has spread throughout the temple. And there are lots and lots of worshipers in the temple, and they are listening to Peter and John talk about Jesus. And this really perturbs the Sadducees and the religious leaders. Um, Just to to kind of let you know, the Sadducees um, were pretty much the priests who worked in the temple. Now, you could be a Sadducee without being a priest, but most of the Sadducees were priests. And so they worked in the temple. They worked for God. 
And the, the Sadducees and the religious leaders grabbed the temple guard like the church police. Could you imagine if we had church police? Like, you know, somebody who like came up behind you and you started to nod off during Pastor Sean's sermon and like, you know, just kind of like right upside the head. Wouldn't that be weird? I think it'd be great personally, but that's just me. Maybe not. Um, but so like the temple police come up and they arrest Peter and John. They arrest them in the temple because they are preaching about Jesus and they are preaching about the resurrection of the dead. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they're really perturbed with Peter and John because they are preaching in the name of Jesus about a resurrection from the dead that they don't believe in, and they are accusing the religious leaders of Israel of crucifying, of killing Jesus. So they're really, really frustrated, but it's late in the day, so they are going to arrest them and put them in temple jail. Now, imagine that. Imagine if not only did we have church police here, but we actually had a GFCC jail. Wouldn't that be crazy? And we actually do. You don't know this, but like when your kids are down in kids zone, like and they start acting up, we take them across the hall into the boiler room. No, we don't. We don't. We don't do that. We, I promise, we don't do that anymore. But um, no, it's been a lot. No, no, we never did that. We never will do that. Um, so, but, but they had temple jail. So you've got the uh, uh, Peter and John in temple jail overnight. Uh, and then the next day they get up uh, and they... Uh, uh, the rulers and the elders, the, the Sanhedrin, it was what it's called, it was the ruling council of Israel, the Sanhedrin made up of the, the teachers of the law and the elders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They get together and they got to figure out, what are we going to do with these two dudes? What are we going to do with Peter and John? Uh, and, and there were a couple of familiar faces there uh, in this meeting. There was Annas, A-N-N-A-S, Annas and Caiaphas. They were the high priests of Israel. Now, just couple months earlier, they are the ones who put Jesus on trial and crucified him. They gave the orders to crucify Jesus as Annas and Caiaphas and their family, the, the high priest's family. Uh, and so uh, they begin to question Peter and John. By whose name and by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority to do this? Who is telling you, why are you doing this? And in what name are you doing this? And in what name did you heal this man? And Peter is full of the Holy Spirit. And he begins laying into these guys and let you know, I'm going to tell you right now, it's by the name of Jesus Christ that this man is healed. And so he lays, down, lays the smack down on the Jewish religious leaders. And, and they're like kind of freaking out a little bit um, because like, Peter and John were fishermen. You've got like the, the elite, the religious elite questioning them. You've got the religious elite who had all the training, all of the Old Testament training, all of the, the rabbinical training. I mean, these guys were like the, the, the elite. And then you've got Peter and John, two uneducated fishermen, standing up to them saying, listen. This is what's going down. And, and they're like, you know, they, they, they say, Peter says like the best words in the book of Acts in chapter 4, verse 12. Check out this verse. He says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That is an exclusive statement, my friends, where Peter says there is no other name 
that we can be saved by other than the name of Jesus. No other religious leader has ever risen from the dead, only Jesus. No other religious leader can claim to be Jesus Christ. No other religious leader is the Son of God. No other religious leader came back to life. And therefore, there is no other name given to humanity by which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Like we talked about last week, he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Only Jesus can save you. And so Peter and John looked right at the religious leaders and said, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead, and there is no other name other than the name of Jesus by which we can be saved. No other name. Peter also quotes Psalm 22, uh, 122, 18, because uh, he, when he's uh, laying into the religious leaders uh, of Israel, he tells them, he quotes uh, Psalm 118, uh, he quotes uh, David, who said, the stone the builders rejected has become the, the cornerstone, the capstone, that like the cornerstone of our faith was originally rejected by his own people. And now Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other name given to us by which we can be saved. And I know it sounds exclusive. I know it's not politically correct. And we want to believe that everybody gets to go to heaven someday. But Peter and John said it, and Jesus said it. There's no other name given to humanity by which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved. And so our job as Christians, our job as believers in Jesus is to tell everybody about Jesus and his love, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And this is only true of him. So we who know Jesus have to introduce other people to Jesus. Okay? So we keep going. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. I love what happens here with the, the religious leaders. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, remember they're just fishermen, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished. They were awestruck. They were like, who are these guys? Where did they come from? They're not like us. They're not religious leaders. They're not Pharisees, they're not Sadducees, they're not part of the Sanhedrin, they're not rabbis, they're not teachers, they're not experts in the law. These guys are fishermen. The New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for courage is the word parasia. Parasia. It means fearless confidence, boldness, and assurance. It's courage. They were courageous. And the reason that they were courageous, the reason that they had this parousia, is because they had been with Jesus. Don't, don't miss that. They were courageous. They were bold. They were confident. And what does it say? It says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so my question for you is this. Have you been with Jesus? Do you have a fearless confidence? 
Do you have a courage about you? Do you have a boldness about you because you have been with Jesus? Do you have courage and strength and power because you have been with Jesus? Or are you afraid? Are you terrified? Are you fearful? Are you weak in your faith? Or are you courageous because you've been with Jesus? If you haven't been with Jesus, you need to get with Jesus. Because there is no other name by which you can be saved other than the name of Jesus. That if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him, turning away from sin and repentance, confessing your faith, getting baptized, and God is going to wash away your sins. He's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he's going to fill you with courage. He's going to fill you with paresia. He's going to fill you with a fearless uh, boldness. He's going to fill you with a fearless confidence that when you get with Jesus, when you are with Jesus, he will make you bold. And he will give you a bold faith. We'll talk about that in just a minute. That's what happened to the the disciples. That's what happened to the apostles. They took note that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Therefore, they were courageous. They had paresia. Let's keep going. We've got a little bit more to cover. So they, they're trying to figure out what to do with them. And uh, they tell them, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. We, they're like, we got to stop this thing. Look at verses 18 through 20. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's very simple. Just don't do this anymore. Peter and John, you uneducated fishermen, don't do this anymore. Verse 19. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Do you hear that boldness? Do you hear that courage? Do you hear that confidence, that fearlessness? That's the fearlessness that comes from being with Jesus. That's the fearlessness that comes from faith in Christ. That's the fearlessness in knowing that no matter what anybody else does to you, and that's, that's what it was for Peter and John. They saw Jesus rise from the dead. They saw him. Remember, Peter, just three months earlier, less than three months earlier, had, had denied knowing Jesus three times because he was a chicken. He was afraid. And so when he was asked three times, I saw you with him. Nope, not me. Don't know who you're talking about. It must have been some other Peter. must have been some other guy because it wasn't me. Three times he denied knowing his best friend, Jesus. And here he is, less than three months later, standing before the religious leaders of Israel who uh, convicted Jesus and executed him, saying, listen up here, you guys. This Jesus whom you crucified, God raised from the dead, And now he lives forevermore. And because I have seen him, and I I can testify to the fact that Jesus is alive, there's nothing you can do to me that is going to scare me. Because my Savior went to the tomb, and he walked out of it. And my friends, that's the confidence that comes from knowing Jesus. That no matter who does what to you, you will walk out of a grave someday. And you will walk into the arms of Jesus, your risen, living Savior. There's nothing that anyone can do to you that can take that away. So have that confidence. Have that boldness. Have that courage. Have that faith. That no matter what anybody does to you in this life, it cannot take away what's waiting for you in the next. That's the boldness 
and the courage that comes from knowing a risen Savior, from knowing a resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at verses 29 through 31. The, uh, Peter and John go back to where the people are, all their believers are, and they, they begin to pray. And they're like, we're going to pray. Verse 29, this is the part of their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats, the religious leaders, and enable your servants to speak your word with great, what? Boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Hold on just one second. So they, they ask God to give them more boldness. They ask God to give them more boldness. And you know what God does? Look at this, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We need to pray prayers that shake foundations. We need to pray prayers that shake foundations. And we need to speak boldly about the one who has risen from the dead. At the end of chapter 4, Luke gives us a summary statement of what was going on in the church at the time. He kind of summarizes a few things from chapters 3 and chapter 4. Check this out, verses 32 through 34. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. And then it tells us that they went ahead and they, they would sell property, they would sell their possessions, and they would give the money to the poor. It says there were no needy persons among them. That God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. So powerfully at work at them that with great power, they changed the world. And that's exactly what they did. And they did it by loving each other. They did it because of God's grace. So there's three things you got to know. Three things you got to know today. First is this. Bold faith leads to bold prayer. Bold faith leads to bold prayer. The disciples, the apostles, Peter and John, had bold faith. They had a strong and bold faith in Jesus. Bold faith led them to bold prayer. And they prayed a bold prayer. They prayed, God Help us to speak with great boldness. The time for wimpy Christianity, the time for wimpy Christians has passed. It is time that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, have bold faith in a risen Savior that causes us to pray bold prayers. We need to pray bold prayers. Prayers that will shake the foundations, sh shake the foundations of things like racism and prejudice and bigotry. We've seen it in our country for far too long. We need to pray bold prayers. By, with faith in Jesus Christ, we need to pray bold prayers that those foundations would be shaken Foundations of hatred would be shaken. Foundations of evil would be shaken. 
Foundations of addiction would be shaken. Foundations of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, that those foundations would be shaken. We need to pray bold prayers with a bold faith that will shake the foundations of sin and wickedness and evil. Bold faith in a risen Savior will cause us to pray audacious, bold prayers. Secondly, bold prayer has to lead to bold living. Bold prayer leads to bold living. Look at what the apostles did. They didn't just sit around going, okay. They got out there. They healed people. They spoke boldly. They preached boldly. They taught boldly. They lived boldly. It says there were no needy people among them because they cared about one another so much. They loved one another so much. Their bold prayers led to bold living. It wasn't good enough to just pray a prayer and sit back and wait for God to do something. Though God did. Shook the foundations. Now is the time for us to pray those bold prayers that we would begin living bold lives. That we would be committed to bold living. Living boldly out our faith. Living boldly our faith in Jesus Christ. Bold faith leads to bold prayers. Bold prayers lead to bold living. And bold living leads to bold action. It's, it's, it's not enough to just sit back and go, you know what, we'll let somebody else do it. No, as a church, we need bold action. We need to stand up and make sure that no one is overlooked. I mean, you look at the end of the book, of, uh, at the end of chapter 4, and there's a guy named Barnabas. His name wasn't Barnabas, but that's what they called him. Because the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. And so Barnabas went out and he sold a bunch of property. He brought, the, he brought the proceeds to the apostles and laid them at their feet and said, whoever needs it, give it away. That is bold action. That is not being content with the status quo. That is not being content to just say, you know what, I'll let somebody else take care of it. I'll let somebody else do it. You know, Barnabas went out, sold his property, and gave the proceeds to, to the apostles to give as needed. And that story right there about Barnabas selling his property... And, and giving it to the apostles is going to lead us into chapter 5 when something terrifying happens in the church in the first century. We'll talk about that next week. But for this week, we need to make sure that we are living out our bold faith, praying bold prayers, and taking bold action. We are not going to shrink back any longer. We are not going to be fearful and afraid. We are going to be bold and courageous in our faith, in our church, in our, in our homes, in our community, in our country. It is time for the Christians, for the people of God, for the people who are called by the name of Jesus Christ to stand up and to be bold and to live boldly, not afraid but courageous. That parousia has to be ours. We can change 
the course of history. We can change the world. And it starts with us, the people of God. And we have a faith that can shake foundations. So let's do that. And when we do, we will see lives transformed, destinies transformed, communities changed, homes changed, churches changed, and maybe, maybe even a country changed. And it starts with us. So let's do it. Let's live boldly.